Whistleblower Report, exposing lies, deceptions, and all that has assaulted our way of life. We must take back our freedom and live as God designed in a free America that honors our Constitution and our Creator. Our experts in medicine, ministry, law, military, environment, and education empower us to grow together as a nation. For such a time as this, the Whistleblower Report offers truth and solutions. Welcome to the Whistleblower Report Inside Pharma. This is Dr. Lee for America with my co-host, Hedley Reese, pharmaceutical manufacturing distribution and supply chain expert with a career overseeing all of these issues as it relates to the delivery of safe pharmaceutical products. And Hedley has been discussing each week the major violations that have taken place in the manufacturing supply chain and distribution practices for the experimental COVID shots. And he is bringing with the show today a French biostatistician expert in good clinical practices, Christine Cotton. In a shocking report from France based upon her analysis of the data and what are the real risks. Christine Cotton began her own research and analysis into the VAERS vaccine adverse effect data to to try and help all of us have a better understanding of what the real risk of vaccination are with these particular products and the nature and probability of these risks. To do this, she actually downloaded the raw VAERS data and evaluated it line by line. America and the world listening, that is a very demanding and tedious job, and we are grateful to have her on the show with us today. She was shocked by what she found and has begun to speak out on the analysis of the VAERS data with her own data and findings to inform all of us what are the real risks against what I know medically from clinical practice are the limited benefits. And we're going to talk today about, with Christine Cotton and Hedley Reese, linking good clinical practices that have been violated with the good manufacturing practices and supply chain distribution aspects that have been violated and what I've been seeing medically in actually as a physician treating patients. This has been a shocking correlation of data from all of these fields, clinical practice, good clinical practices for clinical trials, and good manufacturing practices, and all of the data is absolutely concurrent and showing the same thing, that these experimental COVID shots are risky, extremely risky, 
And you're going to hear more about that today. Basically, the results of Christine Cotton's analysis of the procedural and regulatory steps taken to introduce these COVID-19 emergency vaccines has led her, I want you to listen to this, to conclude that it was simply not possible to develop, test, and unleash the whole suite of COVID-19 vaccines on the U.S. and the world population in a manner and time frame that met the then existing public health and vaccine safety requirements and the checks and regulations. In short, the conclusion from the data is the development and vaccine rollout was too fast to justify the vaccine safety and efficacy claims that were made. And she concludes from the data of the VAERS data that the implementation of this COVID vaccine program and the VAERS data itself show that they carry significant health risk to all members of the public, children, adults, elderly, and then it's even worse for pregnant women and their babies. These risks deserve the special attention that we're gonna bring to it today. You're gonna hear directly from French biostatistician, Christine Cotton, discussing her data with Hedley Reese, talking about how that intersects with the good manufacturing practice that have been also violated. And of course, from my standpoint, the good clinical practices in medicine have been violated grossly by setting up these vaccination centers around the United States. Can't speak to how they were done in other countries, but these vaccination centers around the country were set up and, and they had mass vaccination drive-through programs with untrained people jabbing people in the arm and no proper monitoring, no physician oversight, and no physician evaluation of the risk factors for patients. It's been a devastating disaster. So with that, from my perspective medically, I want to introduce now Hedley Reese and his guest, Christine Cotton. Hedley? Your comments about bringing your work with um, Christine Cotton, because the two of you have such complementarity in your expertise. Yes, thanks, Dr. Lee. Yeah, Christine and I have been working together quite some time now, and there is extreme complementarity in the regulations, the need for rigor, the need for, the need for taking the time to ensure standard operation uh, procedures are in place, quality systems are in place. And I think um, I've spoken a lot about the, the, the deviations in GMP. Um, let's listen to Christine talk to some of the shocking revelations that, she, that she's found. So take it away, please, Christine. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for your invitation. So sorry for my very bad accent. I will do my best. <laughs> um, well, Christine, just remember, you speak English better than I speak French. And I know our listeners are going to want to hear what you have to say and they can concentrate and then go back and listen again. So we just are grateful for your work and grateful that you are taking time to be with us today to bring your information over to this side of the Atlantic so more people can understand what the actual data really shows. So thank you. 
Thank you. So, um, um, first, um, to uh, reintroduce my uh, my work. So, I started in April 2021 with uh, examining the four vaccines for, uh, clinical study reports. Then, in August 2021, I, I downloaded the virus database to see what what were what were at that time the real risks. Uh, reported uh, based on the cases reported into the pharmacovigilance database um, in the United States. Then in um, January 2022, I wrote an expertise a report on the Pfizer trial regarding the good clinical practices, So, which are um, 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 documents, guidelines uh, that um, uh, everyone in a clinical trial have to follow to be sure that all the steps are performed uh, properly. So then to see if the clinical practices are respected, we have audits. And uh, I had uh, several audits in my company because it was a company, a CRO, Clinical Research Organization. And I was a subcontractor of... Um, of uh, the of uh, pharmaceutical companies, big ones, uh, uh, smaller ones, uh, and um, biotechs, etc. Um, so uh, what uh, I found in the virus was very alarming at that time in uh, April, August 2021 because I computed the time between the death and the vaccination, and then uh, I had uh, almost six, 60 percent. Uh, of the death reported occurring within the uh, first three weeks after the vaccinations. And then in, um, we, we could see uh, uh, in, in, the, in the results that we had uh, co coagulation troubles, we had neurological troubles, um, um, problems uh, in pregnant women. So it, it was very alarming. And uh, that's why I uh, wondered uh, uh, why all these uh, cases or these adverse events were not into the clinical study reports of the Pfizer in December 2020. So I, um, I uh, downloaded in, in uh, end of 2021 the, all the documents available uh, for the Pfizer trial. So the... Um, um, we, we have all the clinical study reports on adults, adolescents, children. Um, uh, we have the um, what, what we call, and the people, uh, I'm sure they don't know, uh, it's the risk management plans. That is a document written by the company itself where uh, you have um, um, what we call risk. So, uh, it's adverse events uh, already, um, potential adverse events are already identified. And then we have missing uh, evaluations. So what we could read already in December 2020 is that we had no data on immunocompromised patients, of pas of, on uh, patients with comorbidities, no data on pregnant women, of course, because they are always excluded from clinical trials. They are protected population. 
So uh, when they said in January 2021, um, it, we can vaccinate uh, almost everyone, it was uh, um, an in, uh, it was to take risk because we had missing value already at that time, missing evaluations. So in the um, clinical study report, we could see uh, that the, the what what we call um, significant uh, statistical result was not really established for the severe cases because there. We had no proof in December 2020, statistical proof, that we had a difference between the placebo and the vaccine, the Pfizer vaccine. No proof. No proof of efficacy on the population um, aged more than 75 years old. No proof. So it's not statistically proved because statistics... Uh, the results, uh, upon the results, you have conclusions. And if you have to conclude on the results, there is no statistical proof. And um, uh, what was very um, uh, concerning is that um, the, the results were, were assessed only on a three months follow-up of the patients. So um, among uh, 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 two years follow-up, we had result at three months. So you understand if uh, it's the same that if you look at a, a baseball match and uh, you just look at the first 10 minutes and then you say, okay, I have the result of the overall match. So it's not possible. When you say it's efficient and safe, at the, that time, December 2020, you just can say efficient based on the main criterion. So the what the the famous 95% efficacy, and it's safe uh, based on the safety reported into the reports. But uh, if you look at uh, carefully into the results you can see that the method to record these famous cases of COVID um, are, uh, are only uh, mild or moderate symptomatic COVID confirmed by PCR tests uh, counted from seven days after those two. So it's not, uh, the, 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 the criterion is not uh, COVID, not COVID. It's mild or moderate. So if you compute the number of patients with COVID into the Pfizer vaccine uh, trial, uh, you, you find um, um, an efficacy which is uh, 55%. And we can compute this because we have the released documents um, released by the court decision. So we, uh, we can download the SAS database, which is the SAS is the software used mainly used in pharmaceutical industry to program program the analysis. And so when you have the database, you can compute results. It was my job to compute results um, uh, with the, um, the SAS database. Uh, I've, I've done this during uh, uh, 24 years. <laughs> so uh, I, I can program and, and I can comment the result. So people have to know that 
um, this job to uh, write the methodology of a clinical trial, it's a biostatistician job. It's not a physician job. It's, a, it's the, the biostatistician is the one in charge of the methodology and in charge of programming the results with specific softwares and to comment the to provide the tables, uh, figures, uh, listings, and then you put all of these table, figure, listings into a report that we call um, clinical study report because you have a medical writer who writes the, the this report with the biostatistician. So when you have claims. Um, on uh, TV with, uh, I don't know, urologists, uh, uh, many, many physicians. Uh, I don't know if you have this in the um, United States, but uh, in France, you had people with uh, absolutely no expertise in uh, biostatistics, in clinical trials, no expertise in virology, no expertise. Uh, I call them experts without expertise. And, uh, yes, you're Christine. You're exactly right. That yeah, I exactly. can speak quite quite clearly that and emphatically that that is the process that should be done, and it it is supposed to be done in the United States as well, because medical school training, most medical schools only require one course in statistics as a prerequisite. There's very little in the way of statistics during medical school. And unless a physician, medical doctor, doctor of osteopathy goes into a PhD program that is research-based, so they're MD, PhD, they really, physicians really have very little training in biostatistics or statistical analysis or statistical design or epidemiology in terms of how you actually do a proper study design. So I agree with you. It, it absolutely should be the biostatistician that is in charge of the, that part of the process. Of course, of course, uh, it's a specific job. Uh, people don't know the job at all because you, you don't know biostatisticians normally because it's a uh, Really quite rare, as a, but um, this is our job to provide the results of clinical trials. So um, what I found writing this uh, expertise, it's uh, that um, this main criterion, the ninety-five percent, uh, was full of what we call bias, statistical bias. So bias is um, uh, an element. Uh, that uh, prevent the that force the the results. I, I I can give details on this. Maybe it, it will be easier for people to read my report because uh, it's uh, more than one hundred pages <laughs> of report, so it's easier to read because it's a little bit difficult to explain. But what we know um, also it's. Uh, when the Pfizer pro provided uh, his analysis, um, the six months analysis, so not on three months follow-up, but on six, there were no proof on uh, efficacy on COVID uh, death. So the vaccine prevent COVID death? No, there, there was no proof uh, into their publication. There were no proof into the, the statistical results. And if you look at carefully at the publication of the monkeys, 
So the preclinical part, we uh, already uh, saw in um, uh, November 2020, I think, that um, we have an increase of the antibodies, the famous neutralizing antibodies, uh, which are the marker of the immunity, marker chosen because we we had uh, we have we still have uh, uh, no marker. Uh, um, um, just uh, this one uh, that was chosen to be the, the, the to testify of the immunity, and uh, these neutralizing antibodies increase after the vaccine uh, uh, vaccination, and then it began they, they began to decrease, and then Pfizer stopped to measure the, the antibodies. So it's very convenient because six months after. They told the overall population, "Oh, we we are sorry, but uh, you will need a third dose, so a booster, because the protection uh, dropped, drops." Oh, so it's very convenient because in December 2020, we know that they have already planned to study a booster. So you don't measure what you don't want to show. You understand? You just measure. Two, two months after those two, and then you don't measure anymore because you know that your neutralizing antibodies are going to drop. So you don't provide measurements after the, the, the too long in the time because it will be you, you uh, it uh, it will be very hard to present your or your file to the health agencies if you have a drop in your antibodies. Um, no, you're exactly uh, right, and that is the, three months. You understand? That's the malpractice. That's the malfeasance. That's the cover-up. That's by design deceiving the public. Headley, you agree? Yes, absolutely. I, it the amount of uh, malfeasance that's been uncovered here. Um, obviously, it's difficult to really ex explain it in simple terms and i think you you would have to read christine's report to really be be co convinced but what what i would say is that um this seems to have been stage managed the whole thing uh, and what christine's work has shown is that it's almost been planned to maximize sales you know, um, we we work the evidence so that we need a booster, and then, and I think that's the important principle here is that the the best practices of, of clinical research have just been ignored for the sake of creating data that drives sales, which is absolutely criminal, basically. Well, um, actually, Headley, the data and the past research studies that Dr. Mike Eden and I and Dr. Gilthorpe and I have looked at closely and many others as well show very clearly. I don't think it was just the malfeasance to drive maximal sales. I, I'm sorry, I, can, I have to conclude if they deliberately went ahead with an experimental gene therapy shot that was known to damage the ovaries and testicles in all animal species studied from research 15 years before the rollout, 
and they went ahead with it, there is an intention to do harm to the people who get the shots. And I'm sorry, so, that, that's sorry, my medical sorry, conclusion. Sorry, I have some, something to add uh, on this, but it's difficult for a biostatistician to approve uh, uh, this um, this point of view uh, because it's not. Uh, I have no statistics to prove this, but what we know is that in October 2020, we have... Um, um, video and um, presentation from Tom Shimakuburo, um, uh, who work for CDC, United States, CDC, and he presented at that time a list of adverse events to, um, uh, to, to uh, observe carefully into the various database, uh, the pharmacovisions, uh, two pharmacovisions databases. And in this uh, list, we have neurological troubles, we have uh, coagulation troubles, we have, of course, Guillain Barre, we, we have um, uh, uh, the, um, the worsening of the disease, what we call the VAED, the worsening of the disease due to the vaccine, but this was noted into the risk management plan. So they, they knew that there will be adverse events. Uh, they, they, they knew the type of adverse events, so neurological, blood, uh, myocardial, myocardial infection, even myocarditis and pericarditis. So it is in my report. You can click on the link and you have the presentation of Tom Shimakiburo, October 2020. So they knew. They did know. You're exactly right. And, and Dr. Yeadon found the research papers published in the pharmaceutical literature 12 years before the shots roll out that, that they had been doing for several years before that, that showed the damage to the ovaries, oocytes, hormone production, and damage to the testicles, testosterone production, sperm production in every animal species they were doing the studies on. And so to go ahead with an experimental shot rolled out this fast with no manifest with with violations of all the manufacturing standards and knowing that it caused reproductive organ damage in every species i i just think that goes back to what we have said on this show every practically every week that the black box of big pharma has covered up intentional criminal fraud and dangerous effects on the human population. With that, we need to take a break for the first half, and we will be back after this with more from French biostatistician Christine Cotton and my co-host Hadley Reese, pharmaceutical manufacturing expert. And I want everyone to understand these links and these reports will be referenced in the show notes. So those of you who want to do the time and effort to read the actual report, please do so and share that. Go to www.whistleblowerreports.org and you can access all of this information and it's archived on America Out Loud Talk Radio and americaoutloud.com. This is Dr. Lee for America with the Whistleblower Report Inside Pharma, exposing the lies and deceptions of the pharmaceutical industry that are causing problems for you 
and your loved ones. Go to truthforhealth.org, join up for our email alerts, and join our crusade. Help us get this word to the world about the dangers that have been unleashed on the human population. We will be right back after the break. Welcome back to the second half of the Whistleblower Report Inside Pharma with my co-host, Hedley Reese, and today's guest, French biostatistician expert, Christine Cotton, who has written an extensive data analysis report of the actual VAERS raw data and what it has shown about the devastating damage with the COVID shots that were covered up in the release to the public and the false claims of 95% efficacy and that they were safe for everyone. And I want to emphasize as we lead into the second half, something that Christine said in the first half and something physicians all know. Pregnant women have always in my entire 40 year medical career been excluded from clinical trials because of the risk to the mother and the baby. This is absolutely appalling in my mind that pregnant women had to be excluded from the clinical trials according to our longstanding ethics. And then as soon as they were released, the narrative from the government worldwide in violation of existing regulatory standards everywhere, whether it's US, Europe, UK, Australia, Canada, Scandinavia, all of the Western countries have had these regulations in place my whole career. These shots were pushed on pregnant women from the beginning, and they were known to cross the placental barrier and cause harm to a developing baby. That was known 20 years ago, and we did a show on that in 2020 from a reproductive medicine maternal fetal medicine expert who himself had done that research using lipid nanoparticle technology to cross the placental barrier. He did that research at Duke University 20 years ago. So they knew that these experimental mRNA shots coated with lipid nanoparticles crossed the placental barrier and could damage the baby. Let that sink in medically with the fact that they were pushed onto women who were pregnant. And that correlates with the rise in stillbirths and the difficulty sustaining pregnancies. And our biostatistician expert is bringing that to us from the standpoint of proper clinical design. Uh, America, this is just a staggering violation of all of our ethical and medical and legal standards and regulatory standards. And you must know this and stop getting the boosters. If you've gotten the shot, don't get a booster. And be careful about future vaccines that are being converted to the mRNA technology. So that's my warning as we lead into the second half. 
Christine, what are some of the additional findings in your report? And Headley, again, let's bring in how that ties in with the violation of the good clinical practices ties in with what you've been talking about all along with the violation of the good manufacturing and distribution practices. I mean, they're actually delivering unfinished vaccines. And you've talked about that and the danger there. Yeah, if I just can add two words on the pregnant woman. Um, normally, you have to choose a medication or vaccine case by case. So depending on the risk and benefits for each person. And uh, the problem is that the narrative, what we heard on TV and uh, journalists, uh, um, and uh, it, the... the they presented the narrative and people as groups. So you, you had the elderly, you had the pregnant, you had the younger ones, etc. So the normally the physicians had to choose if the person has to be vaccinated depending on his her own risks and benefits. And that this was not done like that. That's the problem, because it it was it is their job to choose depending on the person, not uh, because uh, she is a part of a group. You understand that? that, that. So it. Uh, oh yes, no. The individual evaluation. I have never in my entire time in medicine ever seen a group recommendation from, from the American College of OBGYN and other such groups in other countries to make a carte blanche announcement that pregnant women should get this vaccine, experimental one. Exactly. It, it, is, it is absolutely, I, I think, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I, I can't say it any other way. This is crimes against humanity and crimes against the unborn. So um, if I summarize the findings on, um, on the efficacy, uh, because we are going to, to examine a little the, the safety. Um, so the, these main criteria, the mild or moderate so cases was not the, the, the one to choose because this is not an adequate uh, proper measure of the, what we have seen in real life. Because when we say 95% of efficacy, may, it was nowhere. <laughs> it was, uh, I don't know where it was possible on the moon in, in the metaverse. So I don't know, but it was on, on earth. It was not on earth because no one has seen 95% of efficacy in real life. So, so uh, this uh, efficacy criteria was not the, the, the good one, but it was approved by all the health agencies into the world. So why? I don't know. So the, what we know also, it's that the asymptomatic cases were not studied. Transmission was not studied. So you have many missing data. You have missing data on the pregnant woman, of course. And um, uh, what is very um, uh, rare for a biostatistician uh, like me is that we know that um, Serious adverse events were not reported into the data by the database. 
Um, and we know this because we have complaints from Auguste Toru in Argentina, who was a volunteer into the trial, and uh, he almost died during the Pfizer trial. And the data um, are not the reflect of uh, what is really suffered from. So they changed the data to, um, know, they changed, I don't know who are the they because maybe this is the central decision. So the military hospital in Argentina, uh, we, we don't know if, if Pfizer uh, asked uh, to the, 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 the center in Argentina, in Argentina to change the data to erase the serious adverse events of Augusto. We know that in into the the, the, the result uh, for the adolescents, we have the, the story of uh, Madi de Garay. Uh, we have heard uh, about her uh, certainly in the United States. So um, she was volunteering into the adolescent trial. So the, the 11 uh, years old to 15 years old. And she suffered from at least 30 symptoms during the, the trial and she had the vaccine. And if you look at the results into the clinical study report, we have only two uh, things report, reported. It's only um, uh, uh, stomach ache, or I don't know, so, something like abdominal uh, pain, uh, so, something like that. So it, it was not what was uh, what suffered from uh, this uh, young girl. So we have a false evaluation of the safety. So your efficacy is wrong, your safety is wrong, and your immunogenicity is incomplete because you don't have measurements um, um, further than uh, after two months after those two. So all is totally wrong in this trial. And the 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 the, the major point, if if. Uh, I can say this like, like that, is that people think they have the vaccine, the Pfizer vaccine, with the claim of 95% uh, of efficacy. But um, not, <laughs> it is not the case. In, um, they, they, um, they have included uh, 36,000 uh, participants into the clinical trial, and then they realized that they could not produce the vaccine with the, the manufactured uh, way, the, the manufacturing process for billions of people. So they changed the process. So people who had received the COVID vaccines, you have received a product on which you have no efficacy result. So I, I, I can, let uh, Edley speak about what was this, what uh, are the guidelines uh, with you when you change a manufacturing process, because uh, normally, if I'm not, uh, if I'm correct, you have to go back to the uh, preclinical studies to 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 test uh, everything since the beginning and not to just say, oh, it's okay, you can, um, or the. Um, it's okay, we have changed the process, but it's okay, you can take this one. And what we know, it's uh, in uh, Europe, in Europe, we have the European Medi Medicine Agency, um, who uh, um, has examined the, the, the file the, the, of the, the vaccine, and they uh, found in December 2020 that 
there were major concerns, major objections, because the mRNA integrity rate was lower with the second process than with the first one. And then after, it was okay. Uh, they, they provided data, it was okay. The, 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 the difficulties were, uh, were found and the, the production was okay. So the, the health agency gave the authorization. So for the first time in pharmaceutical industry history, you have uh, vaccinated billions of people with a product on which you have no efficacy data. And yeah. you have Headley's insights on not only no efficacy data on the clinical side, all of the things you've been talking about on the devastating problems with the manufacturing and delivery. Talk more about, Headley, the, the reason that it's so outrageous and it's highly significant in terms of the damage we see medically that they are shipping unfinished vaccines to the vaccination centers. Yeah, if I can deal with um, Christine's uh, comment there, because it's as if you, you've been shot off to another planet and they work into completely different uh, ways of working that you're totally unfamiliar with. So. Of 40 years of, of precedent and good working practices seem to have been sort of have disappeared overnight. So whenever you change a process, either an input material or you scale up or you do anything different, you can change the molecular structure of the compound and it can become toxic. That's well known in the industry. The other thing is that these injections are not your normal, um, what they call small molecule uh, drugs where they're made using industrial chemistry. These are made from very sensitive cells, living things. The temperature has to be controlled all the way through. And these are really ultra cold temperatures. And um, the management of the whole thing is incredibly difficult. Uh, and there's a, a mantra in the, in, in the industry that for these biologics, which says the process is the product. So every process that manufactured these, uh, a, a biologic is different to another company making it with different uh, equipment. Uh, so you, you have to prove that one company making a biologic, a vaccine, has bioequivalence with the other one, and that is a very lengthy process. You have to run clinical trials that proves the clinical effect of that product on the patients is, is similar enough to the other process. And this is why what they call biosimilars, the the, the copies of biologic drugs are so slow come into market because companies cannot prove similarity. So the fact that these companies, these, these companies have been, or, or governments even have been mixing and matching different uh, vaccines is an absolute no-no. 
Um, uh, so we've been watching, you know, uh, uh, the doctor saying, oh, okay, you've had the Pfizer vaccine. We haven't got any more of those. So we'll give you the Moderna vaccine. That's fine. They would have no idea if that was going to interact in some way. and No idea whatsoever. So I don't know where physicians have got that idea from. So, so, so we have that, and and that is crucial. But you you picked on my um, favorite topic as well, Doctor Lee, which is the frozen vaccines, which were shipped into vaccination centers. They were frozen down to minus seventy degrees C for Pfizer and minus twenty degrees C for Moderna, and the vaccination centers had to thaw one hundred and ninety-five vials each with five doses of injections in from minus 70 down to plus to uh, refrigerated temperature, if you like, with no guidance on the control thawing so that you know that the, the final thawed vials are the same, contain the same uh, chemical compound as what it was in the frozen vaccines. Then in, in, the, in the vaccination center, they had to add saline diluent to the, the vial that had five doses in, then they had to uh, turn it over 10 times. This is almost comical because this is what happens in manufacturing, but it's all properly controlled. It's done to standard operating procedures. The, 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 the operators are trained. They have to sign that they understand the whole thing. And, uh, and, and then with no uh, confirmation with quality checks, the vaccinators who basically some of them had never done it before in their lives were injecting those the, those um the, the, those doses into patients arms I, I mean aside from anyone sort of wanting to do this purposely that you know the the, the fraudulent um absence of any sort of standards means you're highly likely to damage and kill people in the same way, as I say before, if you had, um, if a car company was supplying uh, cars without wheels into uh, the local garage and they were putting the wheels on themselves and then pay people who were getting in the cars, the chances that the wheels were going to come off or the brakes were going to fail are highly likely. So, um, uh, but, you know, so it's hard to, I mean, Christine is nodding there. It, it's hard to understand how they have got away with this. It's hard to understand how they've got away with it. And uh, you you know better than I, Dr. Lee, because you're closer to it with patients, etc. But um, we've got to get the word out that this has been completely, completely fraudulent. Yeah, uh, will, I laugh a lot too because when you know the guidelines, the regulation in clinical trials in a manufacturing process, uh, you laugh because all these vaccine trials are a joke. This is a joke. Really, this is a joke. So I laugh a lot during my interviews too because they, when you know all, all the the, 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 the guidelines you have to follow the, each people, each person into uh, each stakeholder into clinical trial and you look at this, all, the, all this mess this is a joke really, this is a joke so I, I don't understand how 
uh, all the health agencies into the world um, uh, uh, had approved these vaccines in 10 days or in three days uh, without any questions or objections. So uh, I, I don't understand, really. Really, it's... Uh, well, it goes back to the point that we have been making that this was all pre-planned. They knew the risk. You, you said it yourself, Christine. They did not do the data analysis because they knew what it would show and they didn't want to show it. I, yeah, I mean, they, it, they knew the risk and they silenced the risk. On TV, they silenced the risk because yep. you have risk return in the these famous risk management plans. And if you read uh, the already done risk in December 2020, uh, you had anaphylaxis uh, and they were missing data. It was written black on white, long-term safety, missing, missing value. So you don't know. So if you don't know, you when you, uh, you uh, say to people after the, 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 uh, the, the jab, you, you make them taking risk because you don't know. And uh, that's, that's why it's, uh, um, there is a, no uh, real uh, in, informed consent from the population because they, they claim the amazing efficacy, but they silence the risk everywhere in the world. They silence the risk. So now oh. we are major problems because we have millions of uh, people suffering from adverse events. And what are these adverse events? The, 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 we can find, find them into the list presented in October 2020. Neurological troubles, uh, blood troubles, myocarditis, pericarditis. The, the one who was, uh, what that were missing, it's uh, menstrual troubles. The, it was not into this uh, list in October 2020. It uh, is the 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 in in French uh, in, in French we say the chief surprise. I don't know if it's the same in uh, <laughs> in, in in United States or in England. It's uh, the chief surprise, the menstrual troubles. So you have many women with um, no menstruation anymore uh, who have their uterus. Uh, operated because they, 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 they have pain, awful pain, and they, they can't, they have the, the, the removed, the uterus removed. So it's totally, and we have many signals in pharmacovigilance database, so potential signals, proved signals, etc., etc. So they, they count cases, they count, they count. Oh, uh, one more pathology, well, uh, one billion cases for this. Uh, uh, and they, they don't prevent people to being sick. So they count the, the victims, but they, they don't prevent them to being sick. They go on with the vaccination. So it, it's a joke. Everything, it's a joke since the beginning. Well, except that the joke, you're right. It, it's horrific. And the problem is this joke is causing death. And it has been a tragedy of horrific proportions unleashed on people around the world. That, that, the, the deaths 
from the COVID shot alone are far greater orders of magnitude greater than the deaths in World War II due to the Nazi Holocaust. And your comments on that, Christine and Headley. I, yeah, I want to say one thing again, this is um, tried intensive practice that has been in place for years. And, you know, when, when I visited um, uh, client sites on, on, on various assignments, pharmacovigilance was the responsibility of the company selling the drugs. And all the regulations placed that responsibility on those companies. And the rules have always been, if you get a, a, a notification of an adverse event, serious adverse event, within 24 hours, you have to respond to it, and you have to investigate it, and then you have to really report it to the authorities and you know, basically take the, the, the action. And these companies were in Europe anyway. You have to have what is called a, quality, a qualified person for pharmacovigilance. And they are responsible for ensuring that the company is monitoring serious adverse events. And the role of the regulator is to ensure that process is in place with that company. So the, the, the VAERS and the yellow card really should be secondary backup systems to the primary system, which is a company taking responsibility for its own products. You know, if this was an aircraft, an automobile or whatever, we wouldn't be expecting other people to collect the deaths or the, the, the accident statistics due, due to our defective cars. We'd have to be doing it ourselves. And the other thing that, you know, pharma seems to have carved itself out a role where people believe it's different to any other industry in the world. And it's not. And we are giving it too much um, a scope, if you like, just to do its own thing. Uh, so that, that would be my sort of um, finishing comment there, Dr. Lee. Very helpful. And I just want to thank both of you for your courage and all of the work you're doing to expose this. Christine, your data analysis is shocking, but un not unexpected to me with the things that I've been studying and what I've been seeing in the damage clinically for patients. So I'm just grateful that you have taken the initiative and had the courage to come forward with this data analysis to warn people. And we will have the link to your report with the show notes. America and the world listening, this is the Inside Pharma Report exposing the lies, deceptions, malfeasance, and malpractice of big pharma that is causing harm around the world. And it is real. It is horribly tragic. And all of you listening, share this information, warn others, send people to our website, www.truthforhealth.org. For those who've gotten the shot, we have the Vaccine Injury Treatment Guide, and we have the Citizens Vaccine Injury Reporting System. We are a voice to expose the lies and deception that have harmed people, and we are a voice to bring truth and hope and solutions. Join us every day on the Whistleblower Report 
and go to our archive, www.whistleblowerreports.org. Thank you for joining us.